Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hello, Connection Point. Uh, thank you so much for, for having me here this weekend. It's a, it's a joy to be here. I love you so much. I love your pastor so much. And uh, so it's a joy. I've been uh, joining in on this series with you from afar. I've been watching the last few weeks of These People Are Crazy. And if you haven't been with us, it's a series about family. Just acknowledging that every single one of us have, you know, at least one crazy person in the family, and uh, it might be you, and that's okay. And if it's not a crazy person, then maybe there's just a crazy season that you go through in your family. Um, Some of you are now out on your own, and your household constitutes you and you alone, but you're still part of a family, and you know how those uh, relationships can go a number of different ways, even after uh, you're not under the same roof anymore. Uh, Today, I want to talk about when we fight like crazy. There's a lot of potential for fighting when it comes to family. Something about uh, the comfort that we have of being so close with each other and whatnot seems to uh, allow us to be a little more free with the thoughts that we share and the words that fly and maybe some of the things that we do to each other. Um, seems a little bit ironic to me. When you first get married and start out, uh, the, the fights tend to be about some, some kind of silly things. Honey, you left the toilet seat up. Honey, the toilet paper goes over the top, not under from the bottom. Honey, the toothpaste, we squeeze the tube from the back forward, not from the forward back. And at one point, one of you goes, how long are we going to have arguments about what direction bathroom items operate? Enough. You know that they can start silly and small like that, but then grow into things that are actually really significant. And the fights become a lot more than that between uh, you and your spouse, or maybe you and your parents, or you and your siblings. And that's tough. You look at the scriptures and the book of Proverbs gives us so many different uh, instructions and words and things for our radar about fighting. Uh, Proverbs chapter 13 says, uh, pride leads to conflict, but those who take advice are wise. Where you find pride, I think fighting tends to follow. Uh, Proverbs chapter 15 says, a hot-tempered person starts fights, but a cool-tempered person stops them. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 3 says, avoiding a fight is a mark of honor, and only fools insist on quarreling and bickering and kind of fanning the, the flame. Proverbs chapter 25, uh, I enjoy this. It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. 
Obviously, God inspired a man to write that verse there. Uh, but ladies, don't worry. All the previous Proverbs I just shared were directed at men. So we're all in this together. You know, at the heart of it, I'm not really sure that we, in our heart of hearts, I don't know that we really want to fight. But I do think we tend to want our own way. And fighting tends to be a, a way that we default to, to get our own way in our relationships, especially within our family. Um, I don't even know if some of you can remember what it is that you're fighting about anymore. For some of you, maybe with a sibling or with a, a parent or with your spouse, it's been going on so long, it's just become kind of the way that you talk with each other that the fighting is so constant, it would be very difficult for you to even trace back the root. Where did this all start? How did we get from toilet paper to this? Which is clearly not that anymore, even though what we're dealing with probably needs to be flushed. This is the state of affairs for us in our, our families. And now when these issues snowball, so many of us are carrying deep hurts and wounds. These actions that occurred, the words that were said, and then in an open wound, then there was salt dumped in, and now it's really snowballed, and there's parts of us that have just kind of grown cold to uh, the relationship now. We wonder if it's even reparable. It seems to be the way that it goes. I, I think this side of heaven, fighting just seems to be a part of the equation. Now, for some of you in here, that's like the worst possible thing you could ever hear because you're um, conflict-averse, peace-seeking, empathetic sort of people. I probably tend to be in, more in that camp. I don't like fighting ever at all about anything ever, 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 ever. Others of you, you love a really good fight. And not necessarily because you just like the activity of fighting, but, but you know that there are some things that are actually worth fighting for or worth fighting through. And my goodness, your family is worth fighting for, your marriage is worth fighting for, your relationship with your kids and siblings, all of that is worth fighting for. But if fighting is kind of a reality, is there a godly way to fight? Is, is there some way that we could invite the Lord into the fighting that's going on so that the enemy doesn't have all the territory with the arguments and the battles and the fights, but rather God can take it, work through it, and lead us to some healing and some forgiveness and some reconciliation rather than just a continuing fight over and over and over again. We're gonna be in the book of Ephesians today, so if you have your Bible, you can turn there to Ephesians. Go to chapter six. If you're not real familiar, Ephesians near the end of your Bible. You'd probably be quicker to go to the back of your Bible and work back to the, the left. You'll find this letter that Paul wrote to these believers in Ephesus, and I gotta tell you this. In Ephesians chapter five and chapter six, 
Uh, Paul gives us some great instructions. God equips us with some, some great words on Christian households, on families. And if I had to sum it all up in these two chapters, what, what God gives us is this, the, the marker, the, the signpost for Christian families should be marked by love and respect and honor and mutual submission to each other. In fact, just as much as we submit ourselves to Christ, then we're called then to submit ourselves to each other. As much as we seek to honor and respect the Lord, we're called to outdo one another in the respect and honor that we show each other. And so now honor and respect and mutual submission become really foundational to our, our families. When that isn't there, then some real problems can occur. In fact, you might even say something like, um, when, when it comes down to it, an abundance of fighting can be an indicator of some real absence of respect or honor or mutual submission to one another. If you got a ton of fighting, just pause for just a moment and go, has there been a lot of respect? Has there been a lot of honor? Has there been a heart to kind of mutually put ourselves under the ones that we love in humility? And if the answer is no, then there's a, there's a good starting point. And so I said, how, how do we reclaim some of that honor and that respect and that mutual submission and the love that Christian households are supposed to be defined by. A friend of mine says this, he, he describes it this way, that every single one of us at any given moment, really in any relationship, hold two buckets. One's filled with water and the other's filled with lighter fluid. When you get into a tense moment and you can sense that an argument is right on the doorstep, you have water and you've got lighter fluid at your disposal. Choose wisely. And as followers of Jesus, I think a lot of us, we just have kind of defaulted to the lighter fluid. We know the right word to say to inflame the situation. We know what to withhold or what action to do or not do anymore that'll just ignite this thing. And the enemy takes a whole lot more ground. Words come out that we regret and hurt happens in a really big way. When I think the Lord's going, you know what? One of the major ways to pour some water on this, to douse the situation, is through offering up some honor and some respect and some mutual submission because that's what we're called to. That's what we're kind of, what we have in our relationship with the Lord is now what we are modeling to others around us, especially those in our family. And what would it be like to allow the Lord to, to to take some ground in these arguments, in these fights, rather than just letting the enemy 
take over the whole situation. I think there's something real going on here because right after this discussion about Christian households, right after a conversation about what would be best in God's plan for your family, there is a discussion about spiritual warfare. It goes right from, here's what's going on in families, here how God would love to see it operate, and then immediately follows in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10, with a conversation about spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle, which, which kind of begs the question, what if the tensions in your household, the fighting in your family, is more to do with a spiritual battle than just an interpersonal one? You know, the enemy is unfortunately alive and well, and he's gunning for me and you. He's gunning for the places and the relationships that were meant to be a place of deep love and deep protection and safety and comfort, a place that was meant to reflect the way of Jesus or provide some good soil for the people of God to grow up. And you know the enemy wants to topple that down. And so what if the, the real fighting isn't so much about the fight you're having with your husband or have had with your wife or the fight that you're having with your sibling or the fight that is going on in the family or for that matter, the fight that's going on at work or with a friend because these principles all still apply. The, the fighting that's going on across the globe, places like Ukraine where we, I don't know, I, I can hardly comprehend what's going on and my heart is there. And I would love to see God brought into what's happening there. To bring some hope and bring some healing globally and in our state and certainly right into our very homes. And so what if, what if there was some way that God could be brought into the fight and the enemy be kicked out? Well, I think Ephesians 6, as it wraps up, gives us some good stuff toward that end. Then take a look, verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, here's a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. My goodness, that's heavy. It's intense. But it's this reminder that you know, right, that there is more going on in this world than we can see or touch. There's a spiritual battle that's going on for every single one of you. And there's certainly a spiritual battle over your marriage. There's certainly a spiritual battle over your parent-child relationships, your sibling relationships, your family relationships. Why? Because God designed family to be a place of tremendous joy and comfort. And if the enemy can erode that, then a whole lot of other things begin to fall like dominoes. 
And then there's a way then, God gives us a way to bring him into the tensions, into the fights, into the arguments, and it's, it's these elements of who he is and the way that he operates. Here it's called his armor. It's the armor of God. It's ways that God is experienced and seen and expressed. It's ways that God protects. It's ways that God shows up. When we armor up with his armor, it is as if we are allowing God into our day-to-day And if our day-to-day happens to do with fights going on in our family, then he is right there. And he is involved in a spiritual battle that is also an interpersonal battle. Because if there is a spiritual battle going on in your marriage, your family, your home, then you, you need spiritual protection. You need spiritual weapons. And then he walks us through even more. Look at verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of armor that God has so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. God's heart for you is that your marriage stands firm, that your kids stand firm, that your parents stand firm, that your relationships with your sibling stands firm, that your family stands firm even through the fighting and the argument and the the sin that creeps its way in, his heart is for you to stand firm. And so you and I need to armor up. Invite God in. Kick the enemy out. And the next handful of verses, he gives us six pieces of God's armor, six elements of his armor, and then one kind of conspicuous way of being while we are armored up. That we're in this armor and then we operate in a particular way. God will be right there in our midst. Look at it, verse 14. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness or the breastplate of righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. And so here are these seven steps to Invite God into the fight and kick the enemy out. It's six pieces of armor and one way of operating in prayer. You take a look, you think about it this way. If you're taking notes or whatever, you can jot these things down. Number one way, if you're in the midst of a fight to operate, number one, then just do this. Keep God's truth at the center of any issue. Keep God's truth. This is the belt of truth. Where does a belt sit on a soldier? Where does a belt sit on you at the dead center? And in particular for a soldier who's got all sorts of other pieces of armor above and below, everything is anchored into that belt. And the truth of God must be at the center of any issue. 
If one or both of you in a fight are lying about what's really going on, the enemy's gonna continue to take the ground. But the minute you get honest and bring God's truth into it and speak the truth in love, then God can regain some of that ground. And we go to God's word to anchor ourselves in the truth, the truth about you, the truth about the person you're fighting with, the truth about him. Seek him for words of wisdom and truth to help guide you in the midst of a conversation and, and choose to trust only that which you know is true from the word and not speak stuff that isn't true. Avoid these platitudes in the fights where we start to say things like, you know what, you never dot, dot, dot. Or you always dot, dot, dot. Because the chances are those things aren't necessarily true, but we like to put those out there. And so we come back and we put the truth at the center of any issue, God's truth, and see what he does with it. The belt of truth. Number two, protect your heart by owning your own walk first. That's the body armor of God's righteousness or the breastplate of righteousness. What does that breastplate cover? Well, it covers your vital organs so you can stay alive. It protects your heart. How does God's righteousness protect your heart? Well, here's the deal. When it comes to fighting, You've just got to own your own walk with Jesus. Here's your job in a fight. Operate as Jesus would. Live and walk humbly with your Savior. Try to take your cues from Jesus. And when you operate that way, his righteousness kind of comes through you and it'll protect your heart by operating in a righteous manner, even if the other person in your family isn't operating in a righteous manner. You can't change your husband's heart, you can't change your sibling's heart, but you can walk righteously and protect your own, and maybe God will use that to influence their heart. Number three. Rush to follow the way of Jesus, in particular with regard to forgiveness and reconciliation. These are the shoes. These are the shoes of the gospel of peace. Shoes allow you to run over rough terrain a lot faster than you could barefooted. And what would it look like to put on the shoes of the gospel so that you can rush to the good news of peace where there's only tension and friction. Rush to bring peace that you have experienced from Jesus. Here's the good news of the gospel. I was a mess, I was lost, I was sinful, I didn't treat God well at all. And he pursued me with forgiveness and reconciliation anyway. And in my relationships, especially in my home, I need to be quick to rush in modeling that sort of ethic of forgiveness and reconciliation with my loved ones, even, 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 even 
if, when they don't deserve it. Easier said than done, I get it. But this invites the Lord in. Number four, cover any attacks that are coming in the midst of the fight with the belief that God's actively working. This is the shield of faith that extinguishes the fiery arrows of the evil one. Because when you get in a fight, the enemy is gaining some ground. The enemy can use your actions or your words or the words of the other person, the actions of the other person to pull out the bow and fire a big old fiery arrow. And they just said that thing and it pierced your heart. That hurts. And too many of those attacks that the enemy uses, the enemy starts to speak up real loudly with lies like, God doesn't care about this relationship anymore. You shouldn't either. God doesn't see you anymore. God can't help you anymore. God can't fix this. This is beyond hope, beyond repair. That's what the enemy says. But what faith says, the shield of faith says, forget that. Faith says I can be sure of what I hope for and certain of what I do not see. And so when it seems bleak and there are attacks coming, I'm gonna trust God that you're here. I know your ways are not my ways. This is not what I would like to see happening. But I'm gonna stand in faith on your truth and your promises and your way of operating. We either believe this stuff or we don't. And if it doesn't come to bear on our family, then when can it come to bear? And our faith can have a tremendous impact on how we continue to proceed and where the enemy thinks he's gonna continue to take ground and we go, you know what, this isn't over. Lord, you're gonna reclaim some stuff here. You're gonna heal some stuff here. And I'm gonna stand in faith on that until it happens. Again, easier said than done. But that invites God in. Number five, Think about what God's done for you and your sparring partner. Think about it. That's the helmet of salvation. What's a helmet protect? It protects your head. It protects your brain. You know how many scriptures there are in God's word about our thought life, where to fix our thoughts, set our sights on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and noble and excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Because in the middle of a fight, the tendency is to be all consumed with thoughts about the fight and what I need and what I'm not getting, what they did to me and what I wanna do back to them. My thoughts in a fight don't go to Jesus. They don't tend to go to God's word. And so I kind of have to lash myself to the mast of where my thoughts go. And in the middle of a fight, I, I would encourage you to keep the helmet of salvation on. Watch where your thoughts are going. But in particular, he says the helmet of salvation. Now for me, when I think about my salvation, what God's rescued me from, what he's done for me, it brings humility to me. And humility 
right in the midst of a fight is exactly what both of you need. Where pride will escalate the fight, humility will douse it. Humility can bring healing. And so you think about what God's done for you. Let it produce some humility. And then maybe think about what God's done for them. It might give you a little bit of perspective on their journey, on where they're at. Or I'd also say this, I know that there are many of you who have already been through a relationship that has already gone south. It's already over and done with. It's divorce, it's separate, it's whatever. The rift has happened. And it's not coming back together. Now you need to hear from the Lord. God sees you, God loves you. He's not given up on either of you. There's still healing. There might even be reconciliation. I don't know. It's not outside the realm of possibility. I've got a handful of friends who have been actually divorced. The Lord shows up, does a miracle, and they got remarried. It can happen. But oftentimes, that's not wise or smart or possible. But when you're in those situations where the relationship's already torn, it may not lead to your reconciliation. But it doesn't mean that you can't stop thinking about what God wants to do for them. You can be praying for them still. You can be praying for their salvation if they don't have it in Jesus. You can be praying for some turn of heart. You can be praying for a a release in your own heart in the midst of that tension. Number six. Trust God's word as your only weapon. You recognize to this point, the armor of God has been all defensive. It's all protective. There hasn't been one offensive weapon. And then when there is given one and only one, it is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What if the word of God were the only weapon you were willing to wield in a fight. Your tongue's not the weapon, the cold shoulder's not the weapon, pride's not the weapon, strong arm's not the weapon, but the word of God. Man, can you imagine what any relationship would be like if the word of God were the only weapon we ever used on each other? I. I I can hardly even imagine. It would be such a beautiful thing. Paul's already addressed it in Ephesians. He said this already in Ephesians chapter four. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building each other up. What if we trade out the words we've been saying for words that would only build each other up, only build up our siblings, only build up our spouse, only build up our family member. Do they deserve it? No, you don't know them. (laughs) I know they don't deserve it. Do it anyway. Number seven. We've got the armor in place, and then here's the conspicuous Special way of being once we're armored up that invites God into the fight and I believe kicks the enemy out. Pray constantly for his help. 
What if we took some of the words that we're directing at the one that we're fighting with and instead exchanged those words out with a prayer, prayerful conversation with the Lord? Because if it is, in fact, a spiritual battle and not just an interpersonal one, then I want all the spiritual power that God can bring. I want him to give me the right thoughts and the, the right words and the right actions. I need his spiritual power at work in me and in the person that I'm arguing with. When I'm praying, I'm, I'm reminded of who God is. When I'm praying, God moves. And then I've also kind of learned this, that fighting and sinning and being hurtful to people is almost completely incompatible with prayer. Try to be praying constantly and find room, energy to fight, be hurtful or mean or spiteful. When you're praying, your words are going the right direction. And you invite him into the context there, into the fight there, into the family dynamic there in a very spiritual, supernatural sort of way where he turns your heart and can turn the heart of the person that you've been in this argument with. It may not happen overnight, but when you're armored up and moving on with God there in the midst of the fighting dynamic, then I would expect him to show up and do phenomenal things. Now, I gotta give a little bit of a side note. For those of you that maybe are in, in danger, quite literally, you're in sorts of fights that are dangerous for you to stay. You need to get help and you need to get out. It's not that there doesn't need to be a fight, but in this particular situation, you're probably not the one to be doing the fighting. You need to be protected. You need to be taken care of. You need to be given some counsel and some shelter and some refuge and some healing. And someone else or a couple other people may need to go handle the fight for you. God can do that. But I know in my own life and my own family, when I invite the Lord into, the Holy Spirit into, any of these dynamics, uh, it changes for the better. My friend Josh, well, a few years ago, was in a rough kind of tense season in his marriage. And he wanted the Holy Spirit to get involved. He wanted the Holy Spirit to, to do some healing and wasn't quite sure what to do. And so he gave it a week. He, he said, I'm going to do an experiment, God. I don't know how this is going to go. But for a whole week, he said, I think I've kind of been ignoring, ignoring you when you prompt me. And, and so I, I'm not going to ignore you. Anytime I feel a prompting to do something nice, say something nice, whatever, to my wife, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to dismiss it. I'm not going to gloss over it and just think that was, oh, that was indigestion from the Chinese food or whatever. I'm going to respond, Lord, that, However often I get a prompting, I'm just gonna trust that that was you speaking to me and I will act in kind to my wife. And so every single day, multiple times a day, 
he got these promptings. And every single day, multiple times a day, for an entire week, he loved his wife. Multiple times a day, every single day, he listened to his wife. Multiple times a day, every single day, he served his wife. He complimented his wife. He praised his wife. And by Friday, his wife said, what in the world are you doing? Why are you acting so weird? She said, I don't know what you're doing. But she said, I have not felt this loved by you ever in six years of marriage. Please keep doing whatever it is that you're doing. And it was a turn in my friend's heart as he invited the Lord in to the day-to-day interactions with, in this case, his wife. It was also a turn in the marriage, one that they still look back on today. And I wonder just how much God would love to be invited into not just the glory days and the future of your family, but every little moment, including the fights. Let him take the ground and let him kick the enemy out. And so gracious Heavenly Father, we, we ask for your grace, we ask for your mercy, we ask for your tenderness, we ask for your patience. Help us, remind us daily to armor up, to lean into the truth and a righteous way of operating by your grace quick, the gospel of peace, even in our tensest of moments, to stand in faith and, Lord, wield that sword of the Spirit, your word, your word and your word alone. Prompt us to be in conversation often, inviting all your spiritual power to come to bear. Lord, we need you in our family. And so we invite you into every single area of it. Give wisdom to those that are in some really tough, long-term fights or the ones that are on the brink of it all falling apart. Meet them where they're at. Kick the enemy far out from us. Lord, we ask you to just continue to Take ground in our hearts and our lives, our family, our church. We trust you to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that. And you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us. And please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.